Brian Smith here, and welcome to the Dream Path Podcast, where I try to get inside the heads of talented creatives from all over the world. My goal is to demystify and humanize the creative process and make it accessible to everyone. Now let's jump in. All right, we're here to recap the Jim Haven and My Lease episodes and also talk about some other fun stuff. Welcome, Jason. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, well, it's good to be back in the room above my garage, <laughs> which is our studio for mm-hmm. now, our um, podcast studio. So let's talk about a couple of things. What did you think of the My Lease episode? I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And listening to her talk about her style of music and her approach to it and how she learned bass and not knowing the difference between a fretless and a fretted bass. I thought that was pretty awesome. Picking up a fretless and just rocking it. A five string fretless and not even a blink. Dude, people go years and years without picking up a fretless. And it's such an intimidating instrument. I would Um, think, I would think that would, I've never actually played a fretless because I don't know anybody that has one, but I would think those would be really difficult to play because you're kind of playing by ear, really. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's positioning, but if you're not in that right spot, you know, you got to. Right. Yeah. You have to really be confident and comfortable with, um, you know, finger placement and hand placement. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed getting to know my, in that, that interview, she was so, so smart and so intellectual about the, her approach to music. And also it seemed like this is kind of a, a recurring theme with a lot of the people that I talked to, but it, it seemed like for her, first and foremost, the most important thing was just playing live and playing with other people who enjoyed music just as much as she does. Mm-hmm. You know, in a way, fame and fortune really found her and, and she just kind of stumbled into the situation right. by, by following her passion into a subway in Stockholm, Sweden. Right. And who busks in a subway for fame and fortune? Nobody. No. You know, you do that because you freaking love playing and you love performing and you love writing and composing and um, being in the moment. And so she's there. And then, of course, if you've listened to the episode, uh, Jackson Brown's touring uh, musician shows up, sees her, and the next night she's playing with Jackson Brown. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. And then, you know, and then she's touring with David Crosby, writing with him um, in, in the same studio with Paul McCartney. Right. And uh, is doing, if you follow her on social media, she's just doing incredible things. And I think it's all driven by her love of music. It's not driven by anything. It's, it's a very pure pursuit that I see happening there. What I like about her, at least I think, is she seems very humble. There's none of this gone to her head stuff. Oh, totally. No, not a lot of ego there. It's very, she's very humbled about her, where she's at right now. Right. And she talked about her performance at Bass Bash, which I saw in down in Anaheim for Nam. And um, one of her first comments about, I said, did you see me there? You know, did I make you nervous when I was taking pictures in front of the stage? And she's like, no, I didn't see anything other than, you know, my trembling fingers <laughs> scared about right. how she's going to do, you know, performing for the first time on her own in that band. I'm sure she was terrified. Yeah. So <laughs> very cool to talk to my, and also way cool to do that in the context of going to NAM. Never been to NAM before. North American Music Merchants, something or other. It's a yes. It's a really big deal for musicians and performers. And audiophiles of all types. 
but uh, I, I was given press credentials to go down there and, and check out the scene. And I, it was so overwhelming <laughs> that I, I don't even think I can really process it and describe it adequately on this podcast. It was acres and acres of you know booths filled with uh, musical instruments and sound equipment and all kinds of crazy things happening in various rooms and in giant open rooms and walls and walls of guitars that you would just kill your your grandma for. I mean, they're just <laughs> <laughs> they're just amazing instruments. The Gibson room, the the less the less Pauls, the SGs, um, the uh, the Paul Reed Smith room, the Fender room. So I, I really I was only there for a couple hours, and I I had to go be with my kids for Disneyland and prioritize them. But I do want to go back to Nam and spend a couple of days there because I think there's there's a lot to learn, a lot of connections to make, and a lot of inspiration too to, yeah, to be found. I wouldn't mind uh, hanging out with you get down there. I'd would, love to go down there with you. Yeah, I think that would be a blast. Yeah, road That's trip, man. Total geek out for me. I just would be you know open mouth the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, we also have we have the Jim Haven episode, and um, what what'd you think about that? I was pleasantly surprised. I yeah. I had no idea, and you know, and of course, as I go along editing these things, you know, I get to hear it and then hear it again, you know. So yeah, he's a very interesting man, and I love. I had to go and watch all the stuff that you guys were talking about. I had to go to his website and check out all the all the campaigns. The Pacifico beer the ads. Pacifico and beer and the thing he did with Starbucks. And then the one I'm really interested in is uh, Red Bull Opus. I don't okay. know if you saw that. No, I didn't catch that one. It's not out yet, but it's a program that tracks people's movements like athletes, snowboarders or whatever, and it turns their movement into music. What? Yeah, you, you'll need to check that out. That's on his website? That's on his website and it's something that's in development. Oh my gosh. Okay. Oh yeah. I've got right. it, and I've got to get it if that's... I'm not an athlete, but... I can jump around and make some music. Yeah. <laughs> Jim is such a cool guy. I mean, he's one of these guys that kind of flies underneath the radar because he's not, you know, he's not a household name. He's not a celebrity, but he is a storyteller who he's just a next level type of guy that is a storyteller in a really unique area, which is advertising. And, and when you watch his stuff, you don't even think of what you're watching as a commercial. Right. At all. You're like, this is actually... It's a film. Yeah. This is like a miniature movie that I'm watching. Right. So powerful, so emotional. And uh, I had no idea that he was working on like political campaigns in Venezuela, for right. instance. That's crazy. And doing crazy kinds of guerrilla marketing techniques in these third world countries. For good, though. I mean, he's oh, not, yeah. not the Cambridge Analytica stuff where, you know, they're trying to influence elections for for evil he's, he's actually doing really good work yeah um, trying to overcome voter suppression campaigns with dictatorships and things like that and to get to know jim even though i've known him for years as my good friend's older brother to get to know him this way professionally and really do a deep dive into his his career was a lot of fun i think he's a perfect fit actually for the podcast I do too. Now I didn't, you know, I was at first, I was like sales marketing. I know. I remember we were talking about it. You're like, who, who are you going to interview? Jim Haven. Yeah. He's a, he's an advertising guy. You're like, Oh, okay. Well, we'll see how that works out. <laughs> and I see it now. Yeah. But it's, uh, he, he's just a profoundly smart and inventive dude when it comes to storytelling. And my favorite, I mean, I still go back to the Pacifico ads where he grabbed the super eight camera and goes to 
the Baja Peninsula and, and is following these surfers and following these surf breaks and catching these moments of this very unique type of vacationing that makes people, I think, a little bit envious of those folks. It's like, I want to be there on that beach. Totally. You know, I, I don't want to be at some resort, some all-inclusive resort. I, I want to be, you know, blazing my own trail, basically. Right. Yep. And that's kind of the vibe of, of those commercials or those ads. I, I wanted immediately to go get some Pacifico after that, too. Yeah. <laughs> Made me thirsty watching it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed that episode. And, I, and I, I think it's a, it's a great precursor to launch into the Sundance episodes. Yes. Which will start on Wednesday. February 19th. Yes. That's right. And we're going to roll out these, these interviews one per week. Uh, we're going to increase the frequency of these, these interviews to one, one per week, which is uh, a change because normally we're only putting out two episodes or two interviews per month. Now we're going to four per month. But uh, the reason for that is I have so much content that I came back with, so many great interviews from Sundance and Park City that uh, I just don't want to wait four months. You know, I, yeah. I, I have eight interviews and I want people to be able to hear them sooner rather than later. And I think the, the guests des deserve that as well. You know, they agreed to sit down with me and share their journey with me. And I want, I don't want them to have to wait to hear their episode. Right. Yeah. It's good to just let them roll out too. So tell me about your experience down there at the Sundance Film Festival, Brian. Well, uh, you know, it was a, it was a first time experience for me uh, showing up as a member of the press. I have been to Sundance before with my wife just as a film goer, you know, just to see movies. Right. And uh, I applied for press credentials. They gave them to me and I took advantage of every opportunity I could with those press credentials. I was able to get into direct contact with all of the publicists for all of the films to be able to schedule long form interviews with directors and actors and production assistants and cinematographers. And it was just amazing. The, the type of access that I was given was awesome. I also did red carpet interviews. So showing up at the red carpet premiere of these movies to interview stars and producers and directors as they're walking down the red carpet. And I showed up completely unprepared, <laughs> not knowing what, what equipment to use, what type of microphones to use in that noisy environment, what type of cameras to use. I, but I learned a hell of a lot, met a lot of really great people, journalists who were helpful and helped me kind of navigate those situations. I remember at the, the premiere of a movie called Black Bear with um, Aubrey Plaza and Christopher Abbott. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm on the red carpet. I think it was my first red carpet. And I was asking one of the, before the, the people came out, before the talent came out to the red carpet, I asked one of the journalists, well, what do you ask these people? I haven't seen their movie yet. And I'm, you know, my approach is I do a lot of research before I do interviews. So if I'm going to interview a guest, I look at their body of work. I read their books. I watch their movies. I listen to their music. Mm -hmm. uh, but here I've got all of this talent walking down the red carpet toward me. I know Aubrey Plaza was in Parks and Rec. Right. Great show. Oh, My family loved that show. Yes, excellent show. Uh, but I had not seen Black Bear, and I had no idea what that movie was about. So I asked a journalist next to me, like, what do you ask these people? 
And, and she's like, I don't know, just ask them what it was like to work with that director, ask them what attracted them to this role, those types of questions. Right. Yeah. I was like, okay. So they show up, hand them my DreamPath microphone. What was it like working with this director? What attracted you to this role? I just basically copycatted the questions. And then eventually it became more organic for me. And I, I was, it, it was almost second nature toward the end of the festival to be able to ask questions in, in the moment that were genuine and authentic. And it was a lot of fun to talk to you know, Will Ferrell, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Tony Hale, uh, Garrett Dillahunt, and just a lot of folks that were there because of the premiere. But they were they were gracious to talk to you know people like me no nobodies that are not associated with a big network, um, but they spent time with me answering my questions on the red carpet and it really meant a lot to have that type of access for my podcast and also my professional development as as a journalist. So it was uh, it was a lot of fun. And I can tell you that um, there's quite a bit of stuff to sift through yet, but there's there's some usable stuff we can get from those red carpet. Uh, from some of that that you did. And I know there's some video of you with Will Ferrell also. So yeah. we'll work on that. It wasn't all a wasn't all for nothing. <laughs> well, it was uh it was a learning curve for sure and, and uh and a great experience. And I know that I'll come back uh if they give me press credentials again next year, I'll go back and I'll be really prepared to come back with all types of great content that I'll be able to share with my listeners. So on February 19th, when we start releasing these Sundance episodes, who is going to be the first guest? Good question. I, I think that we're going to start with a director by the name of Jeff Orlowski. Okay. And the reason for that is Jeff has been uh, on my radar for quite some time. I went to Sundance last year, and I went to the premiere of a movie called Fighting With My Family with The Rock and Vince Vaughn. and um, Florence Pugh, who was nominated for an Oscar for, for Little Women, I think. Yep. Uh, great actress. And I was sitting there next to Vince Vaughn and The Rock, and to my left was a beautiful young woman from Panama, and to her left was Jeff Orlowski, oh. who is the director of documentaries called Chasing Ice, which he won an Emmy for, and then also Chasing Coral. These are environmental documentaries that are mm -hmm. really scary, actually, and really profoundly kind of existentially frightening because they're talking about global warming and right. you know, kind of the irreversible effects of global warming, including the bleaching of coral. And so he's this guy that, that has fascinated me because ever since I met him at that premiere last year, I started looking at his body of work and, and I reached out to him. And of course, I was asking for an interview. As I had just started my podcast about that time, and he was on location and just busy, and his people were, you know, telling me that he wasn't available for an interview. And then he showed up at the Artists at the Table event this year, and I uh, had been trying to reach out to his publicist and saying, "Hey, I'm I'm here for the festival. I noticed that he's here. He's got a movie sh showing. It's called The Social Dilemma, and I really want to talk to him." So it was kind of a chase actually, to, you know, kind of a hustle to get him to agree to sit down with me. And I feel like I kind of owe it to myself to have that be the first of the Sundance episodes, since that's the episode that I kind of chased the hardest, you know. And I ended up seeing his movie, The Social Dilemma, at Sundance this year. And I brought my photographer Tanner with me, and he was just 
shaken up by it, really. I mean, it's a very powerful message. And Well, without giving it away too much, what's it kind of about? The social dilemma? It's about social media. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's really not spoiling anything to talk about the premise of the, the documentary, which is that um, there are some fundamental problems with social media that we're all kind of aware of in mm-hmm. terms of the privacy issues and oh, yeah. how our attention spans are, are compromised because of the screen time, how it's changed our relationships with each other, with mm-hmm. ourselves. Yep. It's changed how we view ourselves. There are, you know, the suicide rate has gone up exponentially for young people. Crazy. And it's directly linked to social media. And, um, and so the fascinating thing about this film, and again, I don't think I'm giving away too much when I talk about this. It's just, it's an amazing documentary. And I, I know it's going to be picked up by some major streaming service probably. Hopefully it, it shows up in theaters. But the amazing part about this film is that Jeff is actually a Stanford graduate. And so he has all of these tech people that he went to school with who are now these social media billionaires Wow! who went off to work at PayPal and Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat. And so he, I mean, like he's friends with the guy who invented the like button on Facebook. (laughs) So that's how connected Jeff Orlowski is. I'd like to give that guy a thumbs up. Thumbs up, man. <laughs> and so, but he has these, these connections that allowed him to bring these folks into his film and he interviews them. And what they're telling the audience is, I don't let my kids on social media, period, ever. I'm not on it. My kids aren't on it. And they're the ones who freaking invented it. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> um. So... I strongly recommend the film. I'm really looking forward to hearing the edited version of the interview. Uh, He was gracious with his time. He was super busy. He was actually waiting for text messages about selling his film as we were doing the interview. So he's like looking at his phone. He's like, I apologize in advance. I have to have my phone in front of me when we're talking because I'm waiting for the, you know, these certain messages from people who are going to be you know, possibly selling the movie for him. Well, he's got to make a living too. Yeah. Um, but that's a very long, long answer to a very easy question, which is who's going to be our first guest, Jeff Rolowski. Right. Total, Feb- total badass. February 19th. Yeah. Check it out. And then we're going to roll out, um, the rest of the interviews, one per week for two months. And we may have recaps. We may not, you know, just depends on what the vibe is and you know, what, what we think is needed for, um, you know, launching those episodes. Right on. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Good talking to you, Jason. Thank you, Brian. Hey, thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Dream Path Podcast. If so, I have a favor to ask. Can you go to your favorite podcast service and give me a rating and review? Your feedback is what keeps this podcast going. I appreciate your time. And as always, go find your dream path.